0: Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I am your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking about pregnancy postpartum body image and disordered eating to have this conversation I talked to Katie Lynch she is a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in eating disorders body image and the postpartum period she's made it her mission to help women stop dieting and to find food freedom from themselves and their children I really enjoyed this conversation with Katie she was open she was honest and we didn't hold anything back we started talking about the pitfall that pregnant and postpartum folks fall prey to in marketing, healthy eating, clean eating. What does that even mean? We talked about the unrealistic expectations for the pregnant person in their body image when they're bouncing back. Oh, I hate that term, bouncing back to their pre-pregnancy body. And that so many images that we see in social media and, and movies, the pregnant person just has a big belly and boobs. Nothing else seems to change. So we unpack a lot of that. It's a great conversation. I think you're very much going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, if you want to keep up to date on all the goodies that we have going on at the studio, we've got free tips in our newsletter. We have some videos that we throw in there. It's a really great way to stay connected to the community, as well as find out about some of our special workshops and our classes. If you sign up for our newsletter, which we send once a week, you will receive the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And it's not just pregnancy pains. A lot of these hold true to postpartum and a lot are just really great for releasing back and hips and neck issues. So if you go to our website or our Instagram account, you can sign up for that. I also ask that if you are listening to this podcast and hopefully enjoying it, that you please leave a rating and review. It helps people find us that we can continue to help support and grow our community and help educate. So I, I hope that you'll take an extra moment and leave that rating in review. And if it's a review, there's a strong chance that I will read it in a podcast. Last thing is about our teacher training. So for years, it has been in person, and we took it all over the country. And it would be two long, intensive weekends coupled with our online membership website, which has, I don't know, 20, 25 different videos that correspond to our manual. But because 2021 and 2020 has been pretty much uh, stay away from people, just communicate through Zoom situation, we are continuing our for the rest of 2021, our online training. So if it's something that you've wanted to do, you've heard about it, you know how intense it is and how great it is, but you weren't able to necessarily come to New York for two long weekends, or we weren't coming to where, you're, where you live, you can do it online. So check that out. It's going to be, we have our spring training, we have two in the fall, and then hopefully, hopefully we're back in person in 2022. So check all that out. Okay, we're going to a super quick break, and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Katie Lynch. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high resolution video and clear two way audio from the Stork app. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Katie. How are you this morning?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I am really
0: excited to speak with you. I heard you on another podcast and pretty much as soon as that was over, I reached out to you because I think the idea of pregnancy and postpartum and body image issues and disordered eating is so prevalent and so important and I don't think talked about enough. So I'm so appreciative of the work you do and I'm really excited to dive into this. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. So
0: I guess let's start with learning a little bit about you and what led you to do this work.
1: Yes. So, um, I guess, so I've been a social worker since 2012, but my own eating, well, I would say that my eating issues have been around since I was a kid, but I didn't really recognize the problematic nature of them until I was around 26 So that was right after I got married. Um, And that is really when I entered my own eating disorder recovery. And from there, that led me to being really, really interested in that as my specialty as a therapist. And even more so, like the importance of all of it um, kind of happened after I had my children. So I have two girls. And so basically it just felt so important for me to remain healed from my eating disorder and to help other women heal from their disordered eating or eating disorders or body image concerns, because I know that it can be very intergenerational and it's passed on easily. And yeah, I mean, so to answer that question, which I don't know if I did, but (laughs) my eating stuff has been around forever. (laughs) And Like the real behavioral problems started like between 23 and 26 and that's, and then I healed around 26.
0: So given your background that you had some eating issues, what, how did that impact your own pregnancies and postpartum and body image challenges and disordered eating? And then what did you learn from your experiences that you used to help your clients?
1: So I decided to recover Um, really with the main intention of wanting to have children. So when I got married, I, um, basically right after that, I entered recovery because I knew I was not doing well. And I also knew that I wanted to have kids and I did not want to, I didn't, I had a hope that like what I had done, put my body through, wasn't going to be harmful in getting pregnant. And honestly, more than that, I didn't want to pass on the emotional issues and like still act like a disordered person in front of my children. So, um, I actually recovered first before getting pregnant. Um, and that process was really challenging and hard in every single way possible. But I will say that for me, that made I mean, pregnancy is hard for me. I don't like it. I think it's uncomfortable from like the minute like conception happens until like the minute they're born. <laughs> but, um, I was not, I did not struggle so intensely with disordered eating when I was pregnant, but I did struggle with body image when I was pregnant.
0: How did, I mean, I think that's really common, especially the, and then you have on your back the history. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah. I, know, I know as a person that works with pregnant people and I don't have the healthiest body image, I will admit that. And I've had mm-hmm. two pregnancies. It was hard for me to watch yep. myself. I remember we got pregnant almost immediately after getting married and I was in really good shape to get married. And I remember someone tell, like I heard behind my back, someone said, no, yeah, Deb's kind of let herself go after she got married. And it was oh. because I was pregnant, but you know, like Hate there's that. that, I call it like there's that mushy phase. you know, like between you have the, the popped belly. How, and that was, I found that really hard as a person. Mm-hmm. I used to be a dancer. I'm a yoga teacher. Like mm-hmm. I have, have image issues, but I find that hard. So how did you work with that stage of until the belly popped, or maybe it was hard the whole time. And then when you have yep. clients that talk to you about that, how do you support them through that?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I'm trying to remember. So I, my body changed pretty instantly. I don't, I don't necessarily say like I looked pregnant instantly, but like I, my body changed fast. So I got swollen fast. I had a bump fast. Um, I'm also on the shorter side. So like everything showed pretty quickly. So for a lot of people that'd be like, Oh, that's so great. She looks pregnant, but I didn't like it. Like I didn't feel good. I wasn't comfortable. Um, but obviously like a pregnant belly is cute, but like, I had such miserable pregnancies. Like I, they were healthy, but I was so miserable pregnant that like, I wasn't truly thinking about how I looked so much. Mm -hmm. Like I was so sick. Um, like I was barfing every day for like six months. Uh. Um, and so that really took so much more of a toll on me than like body image stuff. But that on top of that, I was like, this is miserable, right? Like, so I was so sick all the time. Plus I hated how I looked plus like I had just entered recovery a year prior. So I was just gaining weight, right? Like my journey looked like I'm here now I've gained 50 pounds, right? From, recovery and then pregnancy. And so it was for me, a lot of lessons in giving up control Mm -hmm. because when you're pregnant, you have no control over your body,
2: right?
1: Like in in my belief system. And I think in many people's too, like your body does what it needs to do when you're
0: pregnant to grow that baby. Right.
1: Yes. And if that means it gains 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 20 pounds, it does it. Right. And so, for me, there was this healing moment of like, this is going to happen no matter what I, what, like how I would want it to go. And also a lot of grief in that because I didn't like it.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I didn't like how I looked. And I also didn't like being pregnant and felt a lot of guilt around that because, you know, for a lot of people, it can be hard to get pregnant. And I felt so much guilt around hating it. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> like, of course I love my babies and I'm so grateful, but being pregnant was so hard for me.
0: I actually appreciate you saying that you didn't like it because I feel like there's a lot of pressure for people to be like, Oh, I'm pregnant. It's so great. And I've even had students that have had like multiple rounds of IVF and yes. they've really worked hard and then they yep. get pregnant. They're like, and then they feel even yep. worse. Like I yes, wanted this, Like so wanted this. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, of course they want their babies, but they don't enjoy yep. it. So thank you for that, that honesty. So what did you learn from your experience of having a challenging birth, not birth, I don't know if the birth was like a challenging pregnancy that you can then relate with your clients and how do you use that with them?
1: I think my biggest, like what I do mostly is normalizing and validating their experiences and normalizing and validating the fact that everyone has different experiences, Mm. right? So like my pregnancy is different than your pregnancy. The way that I feel in my body is different the way you feel in your body. And for somebody who's going through, whether that's an eating recovery process or they've decided to stop dieting or whatever it is, is that your body is going to do what it's going to do to heal. So there's a lot of education around that because most people don't know about set point theory, for example, or they don't know about health at every size. Like they're not immersed in that world. And so a lot of my role early on is education and explaining these things to them. Um, and then, of course, sitting with that and grieving a lot of the idea of what we thought, like, being healthy meant or what like pregnancy might look like or should feel like, right? Like kind of taking the judgment out is really important in my opinion.
0: Can you talk a little more about the health at any size model? Cause I know I read, I did a little stalking on your website. Didn't you talk about
1: that? Yeah. Yes. So I'm no expert on health at every size, but I practice from a health at every size modality. Meaning when I see clients, um, with eating disorders or disordered eating, Um, we take this approach that you, that health can be achieved at any size. So we have all been taught that being fat is unhealthy or being overweight is unhealthy, right? And that is not necessarily true. And so we live in a world that praises and values thinness so much that we are all so scared to gain weight. So we do so much to try to control our body when our body actually has these mechanisms in place to control their, its weight. The problem is our human mind comes on and tells us, I don't want to be this weight. I want to be a different weight. Mm. And so Health at Every Size is a book written by Linda Bacon. And I think um, that yeah, they write that um, there are so many things that we um, don't know, right. That we are not taught on purpose. So a lot of like diet industry stuff, food industry stuff, there's a, a lot about diabetes. There's a lot about the obesity epidemic that is not like readily available to us because it doesn't benefit like the major corporations. Right. So actually people who live in larger bodies tend to be healthier. They tend to live longer. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of misinformation around that stuff. So I start with a lot of education around that. Um, And then like in terms of set point theory, that is a a belief that, and it's proven. It's not like, it's not my belief or like somebody's belief. It is a scientific theory that our body has a natural weight where it wants to be. It's usually like about a 10 pound range. And it's essentially the weight that your body goes back to when you stop dieting (laughs) or the weight that you, um, like your most natural weight when you're eating from a place of intuitive eating, not in any disordered fashion. And so people don't recognize that our body have, has these regulatory systems to keep us in homeostasis, right? So for me, like I, the weight that I am now is the weight that I tried to avoid being at my entire life. And here I am. Right, but it was always the weight that my body felt the most comfortable. My brain didn't feel comfortable here because I believed I was supposed to be smaller. But this is where my body wants to be.
0: I totally believe that. No matter how much I exercise, no matter yes. how much I'm mindful, mm-hmm. I have been, since I would say somewhere in my early 20s, about a 10 pound range. No matter right. what, yes.
2: it's,
1: it's a little frustrating. Since I was 16. And like, obviously give like my body has changed, right? Like it's changed, it's breastfed, it's, you know, gotten pregnant, it's lost weight, it's gained weight, it's changed. But the like numeric range hasn't changed all that much. Yeah. And it's not to say that as I age, it won't change more, right? Like it will, and it's supposed to. And that's the truth too, is like, we live in a world where like marketing is so intense about like staying the same as how you looked when you were 17 and 20 and not getting wrinkles and not, you know, like your boobs being like perky, right? Like it's all about looking young.
0: I wanted to dive into that about the marketing. I'm glad you brought that up. So what are are some of the pitfalls that pregnant and postpartum folks fall fall prey to in marketing? Mm -hmm. Because there's this whole idea of like healthy life, clean eating, and I feel like it actually leads to more controlled eating.
1: Oh, it does because we become obsessed with it. Right. Can you talk so like, about that? Yeah. So there's a big difference to me about like, so like the whole clean eating thing, um, is a lot of like stemmed from a wellness culture and stemmed from, you know, it's classist, right? So like only people with money can technically eat quote unquote clean because quote unquote clean food is very expensive mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. And so there's, there's that, right. So clean, clean food <laughs> and like as an eating disorder therapist, I hate that term so much because food is not dirty. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like clean food, um, is inaccessible to a lot of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So that's marketed, um, to, to, to basically like white rich people. Um, and it, and it makes you feel guilty if you can't a, afford it, um, or if you're not feeding that to your children, or if you're not eating that all the time, because it's marketed as it's, what's the best thing for you. Right. And so whether or not that that's true, it already stings of like guilt and shame mm-hmm. if you're not doing it or can't do it. Right. And then oftentimes we feel like, okay, like I'm going to, I want to be healthy. I want to do this, but like, there's nothing healthy about being obsessed with what's going in your system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like that just breeds more obsession. And so what I see a lot of the time is people, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to eat like a healthful in a healthful way. But my definition of healthful means like everything fits. Right. And so that's not everyone's definition. But as an eating disorder therapist and, you know, like it has to be that everything is Is available because if everything is not available, we restrict and we binge and we purge and we do all these other behaviors because we don't believe we have access to food.
0: Mm. And then that more and then that just keeps controlling and it keeps spiraling down. So what do you think contributes to the unrealistic expectations for pregnant postpartum bodies people's bodies? I remember I, I, I was a little, again, I'm gonna put myself a little crazy about, uh, how I looked pregnant. And I had what one might say is like that until I got really pregnant like 40 weeks. I, I was pretty slim in the arms and legs. I had the big pregnant boobs and the big pregnant belly. And I remember someone actually slowed their car down and yelled out the window. It looks like you swallowed a basketball. And one, Mm -hmm. I was irritated, but two, at the moment I was like, oh, okay. And, and, and again, Mm -hmm. not the healthiest. I'm going to put it out there. I'm recognizing that. I I recognize that. But what do we think contributes to this unrealistic expectation? That the pregnant body and postpartum body, that's another topic we definitely have to dive into, like the bouncing back, people's body image issues.
1: Yes. Well, I think that it's been there forever, right? Like, I think that we live in a world that values thinness and that values a woman looking a certain way all the time. And so, <clears throat> um, we know when you live in a diet culture centric society, it's almost impossible to escape all these things, right? So most of us grew up, whether your parents were like dieters or not, we all grew up in, in the Western world, at least believing that thinness means something valuable, right? Or being fit means something valuable, whatever your definition of that looks like, may be different. But we have attributed being physically thin or physically fit to meaning that we're lovable, desirable, Mm -hmm. attractive, successful, happy, better than, right? And so these core emotions and beliefs have stemmed from like insane media marketing. I mean, insane, right? Like you can't turn your head without seeing like a new ad, right? Or like your friend talking about how she's doing keto right? Like it is so immersive and it's so immersive because it's a $72 billion industry. It's meant to be right. And so when you finally pull yourself out of it, you're able to see it for what it is, but it takes a while I think to get there. And I think it takes a while to recognize that this industry is about money. It is not about health. These industries do not care about a person's health. They care about making money. And once I was really able to see it for that, I was like, oh, like Weight Watchers doesn't really care about my health, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like Weight Watchers is trying to make money, right? Um, And so we really need to recognize that we have been like, we played, you know, (laughs) like we're being manipulated into believing that in order to achieve happiness, success, wealth, family, relationships, we have to look a certain way.
0: makes a lot of sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to hear how you help people who already have some fear or discomfort around letting go of control of food and exercise. So we'll be right back.
3: You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.
0: Okay, we are back. So you are working with people that have controlled issues with, uh, exercise and eating. How do you help them when they are pregnant and they're watching their body change and there's already this fear, already discomfort of letting go? And as you said, like pregnancy is pregnancy and parenthood is very much an act of letting go. How do you help them Mm -hmm. let go of that control around food and exercise with fear already there?
1: Well, I think so. It uh, certainly it depends on the individual. So everybody's case is super different. But if people are struggling with like active disordered eating or an eating disorder while pregnant, that takes on a different form than if they are struggling with like a body change, right? Mm Because those are the like level of severity is different. So if we're talking about like being uncomfortable with body changes, yeah, there's a lot of normalization in the fact that your body is supposed to change. And then I bring in concepts like body neutrality and body acceptance. I'm not a body positive person. Body positivity um, was not created for me. It's a it was a movement created by larger, um, um, like BIPOC women, who were ostracized, and so I um, ostracized for being large, right, for not fitting into like the white Eurocentric model. And so, and body positivity is wonderful, but what I, what I use is body neutrality. And so learning to look at our body as more of a function versus an aesthetic desire, mm-hmm. right? So like for me thinking about like, so as a child and a teen and a 32 year old, I still like have parts of my body that I don't particularly think are beautiful or that I don't like that much. So what do I do with that? is I recognize, wow, this body has done so much for me, right? Like I'm able to look at it as a function, Mm -hmm. right? So like, I don't necessarily like the way my arms look, but that doesn't mean I spend my time trying to change them or fix them. I think about what they've done for me instead. So my arms every single day are able to wash my face. They are able to cook meals. They are able to carry my children, Like they are able to do things for me. And we are not taught that. We are taught that our bodies are objects to be like desired, right? And so when you grow up like that, it is really hard to accept a changing body because when we accept a changing body, it feels like we are failing. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like you're failing and doing something wrong, you're going to have a lot of feelings around that. Right. Oh. So I try to bring in like a ton of education around all of it because nobody is not nobody. A lot of people are not educated in this. Right. Oh. And then the neutrality part is so it can be really hard to just all of a sudden, like, you know, when you're coming to a therapist or a body image coach and they're like, you know, like, love your body. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> how am I supposed to love my body? I've never loved it. You know, like, I've never loved how it looks. And so the idea of neutrality is learning how to be okay with it, which I think is a lot easier and a lot more accessible than hating it and loving it. Because hate and love, there's a lot of energy behind that, mm-hmm. right? And and my view on body image is to kind of take the emphasis off our body, right? So can we be okay with the fact that I don't like my arm the way that my arms look that much. can I be okay with that? Yes, I can.
0: I like what you're saying in fact i I've used that in my own brand. in fact, I didn't know it was a a process of acceptance, but I know that when I've been a little hard on myself, I would still recognize, well, this is the body. And again, I was a performer that could dance and I was so proud of how how it looked and how it felt and, and my yoga practice. I'm so proud of how it uh-huh. feels to do it. And I could be appreciative that this is the body that can experience those processes of performing and yoga. Again, I didn't always love how it was looking, but I was so interested and excited of what it could do. So I guess that's the functionality that you're speaking of, like appreciating yes. the function of it. So right. yeah, and that, that's helped me. That's helped my, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. helped me appreciate like
0: this is what yeah, we've got. It
1: does. <laughs> right. And, and honestly, like to me, you know body image issue it's it's not to like make light of it but body image issues obsessing about our body is a distraction mhm so when we are doing that like what is actually happening internally right like i notice that when i am thinking more about my body or the way that i look or what i weigh it's because there's an internal process happening that i'm avoiding that i don't want to think about so i would rather distract myself and obsess about my body than maybe think about the pandemic or think about, um, my anxiety or mm-hmm. think about that I'm feeling lonely, right? Like those things feel quote unquote easier to obsess over than some of the more, more maybe difficult feelings that I experience.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I want to talk a little bit about the pressure that I know a lot of postpartum people feel about getting back and putting this in quotes, their pre pregnancy body. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. such a loaded thing. And I can't stand when people will be like, you got to get your body back. Like, because I remember my midwife telling me, she's like, That's so <laughs> your body will forever be changed. And I was well, like the day I woke up with some massive stretch marks, I'm like, ah, forever changed. Like it is like the whole in, from inside mm-hmm. out. And, and yep. a lot of people feel this pressure to get to like that pre-pregnancy body. How do you, how do you help your clients with that?
1: So I try to remind my clients that their body didn't go anywhere. So when people say, like, like, get your body back, like a, like this is your body. This is our body right now. And we deal with the feelings of people not liking that in that moment. Right. So we do a lot of work around those feelings. Like what does this bring up for you? Right. For a lot of people it's fear. It's like Hatred, it's agony, it's it's anxiety, it's it's what does it mean to feel discomfort in our body, right? And so we need to sit with that. There's and there may be grief in that, right? There may be grief in the fact that you are no longer going to look how you used to look. And that is okay. But we have to feel that, we have to feel it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So Certainly sitting with our feelings is important. Remembering and recognizing that our body is going to evolve and change at every stage of our lives, just like we do. So when I was 26, I'm a different woman than now at 32, right? My body has changed along with me, not just because I had children, but because I changed too. It would be odd if our bodies remained the same.
2: Odd, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Like, is your body the same as it was when you were six? No, no. Right. Like there becomes a time in like every like person's life in which we start to believe that our bodies are no longer supposed to change. I think it's like around high school (laughs) (laughs) where we start to think like, okay, like this is my body now. And that is insane and unrealistic. And it's not insane that we think that it's insane that that pressure has been put on us by the diet industry. Mm hmm. Right, and that is where it comes from for the most part. It's, I mean, like when you're in, when you live in a world that is constantly telling you, like you could have your body back in in three weeks, or you could have your, you could be this amount of weight in four weeks. It's tempting. That feels like, oh, that would make me feel so much better, right? And typically, the postpartum period is really challenging, and so we feel like, oh, well, if at least if I had my body back, I would feel better. I'd feel more in control. I'd feel safer. And so these things feel alluring, right? Like it makes sense as to why people want to diet, right? There's an illusion of control in a diet, right? There's an illusion of safety in a diet. There's an illusion of uh, I am going to be, I'm going to feel better. And so really sussing that out and sussing out what are my true beliefs around this? What are my feelings around this? And How can I work with this and not try to change what is in this moment?
0: Do you think some of it comes from kind of control, but also there's such a huge, especially for a first-time parent, there's such a huge transition of identity and responsibility and role. Like, you know, you can go from, I always use the example, like right before I had kids, I could just throw my shoes on and walk out the door and get a bagel. And then once I had kids, it was like, it took, 20, 30 minutes, like you just lack control of pretty much anything. Your identity is now very different. Your responsibilities are so different and it's such a world will in in turmoil. So do you feel like some of that is about a recognition of where, of what you were before and having that comfort level of like, okay, at least that's me and then I can try to figure out this new me. But if I have my old body, at least I'm grounded and I have some recognition of before this baby came in and stormed the world. I don't know. Maybe I'm going a little too far.
1: No, I think that that's how most people feel. I think that that is a very true reality of that experience. And for me, it didn't take the form of body, but for me, like I went back to work after three weeks because I didn't know how to be a mom and going back to work felt safe for me.
2: Yeah.
1: So in that same way, other people may feel like, oh, I, I know how to ride my Peloton, right? Like I, I can do that. I can lose weight. I don't know how to be a mom, but I, I can work out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I can do those things that make me feel in control and safe. And that feels really good momentarily in a postpartum period where you're so vulnerable, or maybe you're lacking support, whether that's partner wise, or you can't see your family because of the world currently, right? Like there's postpartum is so vulnerable that you're so susceptible to anything, right? Mm -hmm. Because your entire world has been flipped upside down
0: completely.
1: (laughs) And it's not that it's bad, but it's really, really scary. Yeah. Right. And no one can prepare you for for that. (laughs) You can (laughs) try. But yeah. (laughs) Like people can be like, oh, like ask for help, right? But like you don't realize how life changing it is until it happens. Yeah. And you don't know how you're going to feel or experience it until it happens. Absolutely. What are the top
0: concerns you hear from new parents during the postpartum period? Just kind of going off on the idea of like, it's just, it's just such a massive shift
1: like body related or a general Ge- uh,
0: general. Cause you are, you know, it can be, it can be a little both as yeah. a therapist of disordered eating and body image, but also you're a therapist. So I'm sure you're working with new parents and you're hearing multiple concerns.
1: Yeah. I hear a lot of fear, um, fear in everything, honestly, fear in like, I'm not going to be who I was. I'm different. My body's different. My marriage is different. My job, you know, everything is different. And so there's a lot of fear in that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anxiety. And in the same way, like there's a lot of anxiety in every aspect. There's a lot of, I don't know that I like this. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And that's a really hard one for people to say. Right. Like, I don't know that I like this very much. And I'm like, of course you don't right now. It's so hard. Right. Like you haven't gotten to the good part yet. And I think that that first year is really, 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 really hard. And maybe for you it's not, which is great, but for me it was. <laughs> and for at least people seeking out therapy, they probably also think it's hard. Um, yeah, so I feel like those are probably the most common things, anxiety and fear and can I still be me while I have this new child? Like, am I still myself?
0: Yeah. I can totally relate to that. I have, um, a six and nine year old. And while I love them to pieces, there's times, especially around
1: bedtime that (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, that's normal. Right. And the fact that we like need to normalize the fact that that's normal, (laughs) right? Like you're not going to like every single moment of being a mom. Yeah. it's Okay. (laughs) You know, like you're not going to maybe want to breastfeed all day long. Yeah. Or you're not going to like want to keep buying formulas expensive, right? Like there's a lot of stuff and, and we feel so damn guilty for experiencing these normal feelings, right? Like there's so much guilt and shame around just being human.
2: Absolutely. And so I
1: see my role as like trying to help people shed that layer of guilt and shame and just recognize this is a total you're being transformed. So I have a question about this, this kind of
0: thought came up when I had a student talk to me about, and totally shifting gears, um, something her care provider said to her and the care provider was saying like, Oh, you know, I really only want to see you gaining about 35 pounds and you're starting to head over. And yeah. she felt really, um, yep. triggered by that by, and I don't think, I really don't think the care provider was trying yeah. to do anything, yep. um, what would you say to dealing with that, that kind of situation?
1: Like for the person who's struggling? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or, and I mean, do they then want to then, I maybe mean, this is not appropriate, but like talk to the care friend and be like, Hey, that was really triggering. Like, I can't imagine they can go educate the care provider about that, but I feel like there needs to... So they to,
1: can. Oh, oh, okay. They have, great. They can, <laughs> if they have the resources too. Right? Okay.
0: So talk because to me a little bit about, about care, that. So
1: just like us, doctors are normal people, right? And they also live in diet culture, right? And so we have to be cognizant of the fact that they were all taught like very similar models that we were taught of like, what's healthy, what's not healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. And most doctors don't have extensive knowledge and research into nutrition and eating disorders and body image, right? So we have to know that even if they are like OBs, My OB did the same thing to me. She knew that I had an eating disorder history. She was like, I hope you're not, you know, telling me what I could and couldn't eat. Truly. And it was awful. And I loved her. And that was hard because I loved my doctor, but I hated that she was doing that, you know? And so for the person that experienced that, recognizing that like your doctor lives in diet culture And this is a reflection of her and her feelings. And it's not about you. And that feels so hard because as a pregnant person, you're so vulnerable and you want to do the right thing. Right. And you don't want to gain too much weight and you don't want to eat the wrong things. And, and you want to make the baby perfect. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so it is so challenging in that moment to do anything about it. And I never did anything about it. Like I really didn't, like I would ask questions. I'd be like, wait, so you really don't think I can have this? And I knew in my heart that that wasn't true, but I was just so curious about what she was saying to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like she truly believed, you know, they, they truly believe that that's true and they're trying to help, but they also don't recognize the amount of harm that is being done. Right. Because that woman is not trying to gain more than 35 pounds. I guarantee you, you know, like her body is gaining that weight because it needs to. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like as a provider, like it feels really important that other providers become more well-versed in this subject matter because they are doing and saying the wrong things all the time, all the time.
0: Because yeah, they're not nutritionists, they're surgeons.
1: Right. And they honestly, like we all, I mean, for for a lot of people who are probably even listening to this, like you've never heard of health at every size. Mm-hmm. Right, like you haven't heard of these concepts before. That's true. And until you hear them, and until you learn them, you you just know what you know, right? And so many people are like, carbs are bad, or like only these carbs, are like keto is good, right? And so we are all living in this world, swimming in it, and what and truly, like what you don't know, you don't know. if me as want a to... doctor. That's yeah. not good enough for me. And this is making
0: me <laughs> want to better educate myself. I really do about yes. Yeah. yeah. And as it's well great. as for my kids, like yeah. I have been, my husband and I have this talk, like I have been so careful to never say like, oh, I look fat or anything. Like they know that yeah. I exercise because we have the Peloton in the basement. So thanks for mentioning the Peloton earlier.
1: Um, <laughs> and they know my a yoga teacher. <laughs> I have one too. I- <laughs> I have the cheaper one, and I like it. Right? Like it's fun.
2: I love it, and I think
1: it's important for kids to see us exercise if it's fun. Well, for I us. tell them if we're them, doing it out of punishment, that's a that's not the vibe. I tell you know? them it's
0: to help keep me healthy, to keep my heart healthy, so that we live for a long time. I am so careful not to pass on my body image issues uh, because I don't want that for my kids. Like even the other day, my daughter was like because she's six and she, she's got some hairy legs. And she mentioned, she's like, I have hairy legs. And we're like, that's okay. That's fine. That's how your body is. Cause I don't want her to start feeling badly about her six year old hairy legs. And so we're just being really mindful about that. So we're trying to be like, not pass this on to our children, which kind of leads me to what are some behavioral warning signs that a person might see that like, Ooh, I'm no longer in control of this. That they now need they they're heading down a dangerous path. So they obviously it's not about the kids, but it's more about themselves. They're they're they've hit a point where they can't, where things are out of control. What are some warning signs of that?
1: Um, it, that looks different for everybody, oh. so it's kind of hard to answer. Except that I think that people know, like in their soul, they know. And for other people who are observing. I would say like pre preoccupation with food, um, preoccupation with exercise, feeling guilt and shame around eating certain things. Um, it can, it depending on like the type of like behaviors, it can look like eating like at night alone, you know, like binging, it can look like the thing is it's like the behaviors, like while they're problematic, they're just the symptoms. Right, so like, what's happening internally is that person is going through some shit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And like, they are utilizing food and eating, or just or overexercising, whatever it is, as a coping strategy. And so that's why I say it looks different for everybody. Well,
2: that makes right? sense. Like,
1: it could look like drastic weight loss. It could look like this person is exactly the same as they were yesterday, and you would never know.
0: So then if that's happening, especially during pregnancy or postpartum, when there's such change already happening, how do they, I guess you're saying that they, they just, it's something they know, or are we then hoping the partner or the the family around
1: can encourage them to find help? Yes. I mean, that's certainly the ideal. And I think that, I mean, there, there are like certainly like telltale signs. And if you are watching somebody and like you, like you, you will pick up on the fact that there is anxiety or fear or un- discomfort around food or food behaviors. And to me, that's enough
2: mm-hmm.
1: to get somebody in like to help. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be drastic, right. They, they don't have to have their hair falling out or like Brittle nails are all these things that, like, the world tells you what eating disorders look like. If you're feeling or if you feel like your partner is struggling with food or dieting or eating, that's enough. Like, they can get help. That doesn't mean they need residential treatment, right, but they can still get help.
0: This has been so incredibly helpful. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take one last break. And when we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you have for new and expectant parents? And it could be about food. It could be about body image issues. Or it could be because you are a parent. Um, <laughs> so it could be anything you want to share. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands
0: What has simmered to the top that you want to share?
1: Yes. Um <laughs> I think what I wish that I had known and what I would tell a new parent is that it's gonna be okay. And if it's not okay, to ask for help.
2: Mm. And yeah, that like there that. is
1: nothing wrong with needing help. Even if you have a ton of support. It still may not feel like it's enough. And you are allowed to need help.
2: That's, That's normal. So good.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, I like that. Oh, I really like that because I feel like sometimes a lot of people feel like I got to do this on my own. I'm, you know, I can do yeah. it. I can do right. it. I can take it all on. I can be that person that's mm-hmm. does it all. Yeah. And some, and a lot of times we help help is really important. That's awesome. Thank you. And
1: honestly, if you have a, if, if it feels hard to like accept help, that's a, it's common, right? That people don't want to accept help. Remember that even if it's an infant, like you're showing your children that it's okay to need help. And that's a good lesson. you know, like it's okay to not know how to do everything by yourself or to not do anything by yourself. It is good to have other people supporting you, right? Like there is nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong. I believe actually in the opposite (laughs) in trying to do everything yourself.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so true. I like that. Where can people find your work?
1: Yeah. So I have an Instagram, um, and it's my name's Katie C-A-T-I-E Lynch L-Y-N-C-H-L-C-S-W. And my website is the same except with com. Um, and my email is also the same <laughs> at Gmail. And so those are the main ways that I connect. I also have a, um, it's a free Facebook group called body image healing with Katie. And it's, a fairly active group. We do journal prompts. We, people just talk about what's going on with them. Um, and so that is also a resource that people can flock to if they want.
0: I will make sure all of that's in the show notes. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time and your insight and your, just your wisdom. I really appreciate it Thank you so
1: much. I appreciate being invited.
0: Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.
3: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help.